gear up for game day and every day at the Hangar Team Stores. From hats to jerseys, tees, and more, the Hangar has the best selection of official Stars gear for every fan. For a location near you or to shop online, visit HangarHockey.com. Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. Here's your host, Daryl Razor Ray. Well, we have reached conclusion. Eight months after it started in earnest, it ends. The 2022-23 Dallas Stars season is now finny. This is the Podman Rush, and it has been presented all season by Truly Hard Seltzer, home of the Citrus Mix Pack, and 41 different flavors. I looked that up today. Took me all year. Took me eight months, but I went through all of them. 41 different flavors for you. And a good idea as summer uh, has arrived. It's Mike and me, Mike Heika, the officious head writer for DallasStars.com. And me, Daryl Razor, has become my official middle name, Ray. And uh, Mike, quite a journey, which is always a hip way of saying things at the end of something like this. Talk about your journey. So, Mike, talk about your journey and the star's journey and what have you and just how you're feeling and what your initial thoughts are. (laughs) It's a good way to put it there, Daryl. The journey has been... Oh, my Jesus. (laughs) Take a drink of water, Heike. It's it's my uh, sexy radio voice. Okay. Uh, The journey has been very interesting. I don't know if you've ever used that word before. I've heard it out of your mouth. <laughs> um, I had no idea what to expect from Pete DeBoer. Uh, there was a, a thought that maybe different voices would have been better when he was hired. And to watch him go through the process, to have Joe Pavelski here, I think was a big help. And then to see, like at the end of this all, the numbers are just hands down better than anything we've seen here, probably since what, the Lindy is that 2015, 16 year where, I mean, they were second in the league in goal differential. And I think that's a huge stat. Um, you know, you, you look at, uh, I think they were third in goals against. They were uh, fifth or sixth uh, in scoring, seventh, I think, actually. Third in penalty kill, seventh in power play. Um, I mean, just everything was really statistically good. And I think that's important. I think you need that. I mean, you know, we always look to analytics and everything like that. And you look at what they did with, you know, Jamie Benn, uh, Jason Robertson, Miro Haskinen, uh, Jake Ottinger. I mean, these all these all t- players took huge steps forward this year. And I think the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, so as we head into next year, I think uh, this was a really good first step. All right. Well, you went all statty on us there. Sorry. Uh, you've obviously been doing your homework, which we appreciate. So success or failure? I heard a lot I'm of... Gonna... Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought whoa. you were asking. Whoa. There was a question mark at the end of that, wasn't there? Yeah, but it, it was just like a leading statement, Mike. Ah, the question's sorry. coming soon. Okay, sorry. Heard a lot of statements from the NBA on this, right? Remember at the end of of things they were always well success or failure and a non and a 
Tupu or whatever his name is, people were losing their gourds over his statement about things and that, and he was stopping reporters in their tracks. I think Miro went the failure route with his comment at the end of the season. Uh, For me, and then I'll get to you, but me first, I think it can be both. It, It can be a successful failure. How about that? What about you? Success or failure? Um, you know what? I'm just going to go with success. I know they wanted to win. I know they that you know players like Pavelski and Ben. Uh, it's hard to get this close, and and then realize you have to go. You know, it's a hundred games, so now you got to say, okay, now we got to do this for a hundred more and something. Uh, but for my expectations for what this season was going to be, I think they exceeded everything. And like I said, I think it's a great first step in where this franchise can go. So you go back to Mark Messier and those times, and there was his statement about there's only two things, winning and misery. That feels antiquated now, doesn't it? Uh, Yeah. In today's world, it just doesn't feel like it's that anymore, right? Yeah, the kids have gotten soft. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not going to fully argue with that, but uh, no, I... It's a weird thing. I was I was thinking this the other day. It's a weird existence now because it feels like most of the people that are inside of of these things and a ton of fans too lean more toward the glass way half full, like brimming, no matter what went on. And and yet, if you check in on social media and on Twitter, and that it's nothing but misery. <laughs> you know, like nothing is good. And nothing went great. And this was awful. And he needs to go. And that guy sucks. But if you if you're within the the tent, let's say, I think there is a lot of positivity now that goes on. And I I love the Warren Buffett quote. I think I I pumped it out there at one point in the playoffs, which is essentially, and I'll paraphrase, there is either winning or learning, not winning or losing not winning or misery, there's winning or there's learning. And I would hope that through what went on this year with a lot of winning, that the other side of it will be nothing but learning. And 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 then it takes on all shapes. It can be individuals. It can be the team in general. It can be management. It can be coaching. All of it, right? Uh, yeah, you I, just I definitely think so. Find a way. But – I will say this: there, there are some echoes of 2003, though, that of uh, basically an opportunity missed. Yeah, because this was a very good team. You can't, you can't sit there and state all the things that you did at the beginning and then go, but you know, just they'll have to build upon that. They could have won it, and especially with some of the big boys not part of the party immediately, and that was what happened back in '03. And then the Stars ended up losing to Anaheim. They had a goaltender that played out of his gourd. And uh, Jersey went on. And Jersey was a very good team. Just like the Golden Knights are a very good team. Like People just seem to – I don't know what it is, the Pacific or what, but everyone was just like, yeah, you know, like it's just a bunch of also-rans going. You're like, they were the number one seed out here. <laughs> That's a good team. So anyway, I, I thought, I thought when, you know, when Colorado got was injured and and they lost and Boston 
loses in the first round out there and you know you couple a couple of other teams into the mix and you're like man this and you heard it this is wide open and you know not to diminish getting to the final four anytime you're one of four teams remaining out of 32 you've had a pretty good session uh, but it just seemed like man it was right there for them and they weren't you know, sometimes you look at it and you're like, okay, but this happened and that happened. They lost this guy and they lost that guy. That, that didn't happen. Luck so. was on their side. Now, yeah. they, they, the game two loss uh, was was against uh, Vegas was a big swing. And, and I give credit to Vegas because uh, when you look at what they did in game six, uh, they oh. knew how to handle pressure. Do they? Uh, I think, and I think they're a very good team. I mean, it's so funny to, to go watch them play Seattle and go, you know, there's not really a superstar out there. And then you see Eichel and Stone and Petrangelo, and you're like, oh, that's actually a pretty good team down there. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, when they were down 0-3, I honestly, and this is not Homer hockey caller hyperbole, I thought they were going to do it. I thought there were enough things in the mix of this, you know, enough left in the tank that they were going to get a boost as well. I, I thought there were enough fissures in the Golden Knights that were going to make this possible. Like, you know, like it, it didn't seem impossible, even no. though it is impossible. Nobody's ever done it. Well, the whole NBA one, I think, is the, the greatest well, example. Well, forget about the NBA one, Mike. Like, nobody ever in the conference final has come back from 03 in the NHL. Correct. Ever. And what is, it, what is it now? Four and 202? Yep. Ever in the playoffs. And yet, I, I did not think I was just, okay, I've been with the Stars for a long time, and I want them to win. And I truly believe they were going to do it. Just because of the fact that Jake looked like he was starting to get his groove back and they were going to get Jamie back into the into the lineup. And anytime you, you know, you're going, usually you're going through this thing and it's a, a, a series of attrition. And instead they were going to get a significant guy back again. And you're looking and you're like, it's Aiden Hill in goal. Like at some point, poof, that's going to blow up, right? He's their third string guy. And, and, and then, they get all those things coming back and they're at home and you're like, Oh, for sure. They're going to win game six. I like their chances on the road with, with the pucker factor of the G Knights in game seven. And they could not have laid a bigger egg in game six. Is it in line with what they have done in, you know, stretches of whatever it may be, six playoff games. I mean, you look at Minnesota, I think they laid a few stinkers there. You looked at Seattle, they had a, a couple of bad games there. And so you're like, is there some holes in whether that's defensive coverage, whether yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. you know, details. Sure. And and so maybe they just couldn't do it for four games in a row. Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, I want them to do it for three games in a row and then <laughs> roll the dice with the four in a row. Look, it, it's always difficult to beat any team. Yeah no matter who you're playing, it feels like three and four times in a row. And that's why the numbers back up the fact that if you lose three and all, but again, I, I thought the way that they lost, you, you know, you could make arguments that they could actually be up and, 
there was just so many things that, you know, they were getting to their defense. They were turning, forcing turnovers. Like all these good things were happening. You're thinking, okay, well, what if they run into penalty trouble? They get undisciplined one night and the Stars power play wins a, another game for them. There were all these things that were, that were a part of my uh, hemoglobin or whatever. Uh, and it just, it didn't happen. I thought wrong. I overestimated them. I'll, I'll call myself guilty on that. I really thought they were going to do it. Oh, it's the sting of that. So let, Hey, the whole playoff redux, right? It was a great run. It really was. They get the wild in the opening round. That was grit first. It needed to be disciplined first or, kill the penalty first or Kirill show up first or get the save first is they never got any of those things. And the stars drilled them in, in six games. Uh, and it was, a uh, all those late starts. And what did you think of the first round series with the wild? The two things that stood out to me were Jake, uh, dealing with that, you know, especially with the expectations coming off the Calgary series and then having to do that, in front of his hometown and uh, with the expectations. And and then to Ryan Suter, uh, you right. know, obviously yeah. they, they, they hated him uh, <laughs> you think? quite a bit. And, and he dealt with it quite well, I thought, and, I and played really good hockey. He embraced it. He didn't yes. just deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> so I like I liked those two stories. I'm a, I'm a big fan of stories. Uh, yeah, Darryl. you are. You're, and, you're a story uh, yourself. <laughs> I know. Okay. The, I, I thought those else? were... Those were two really important. I know it's not going to, you know, make a big difference in Ryan's career, but I, I do think that will help Jake down the line, and obviously the next two series too. But uh, that was pretty much it. And then, and then the again, we're still learning about Pete and the way that he handled what could have been a very intense back and forth uh, with uh, your buddy. Uh, I thought he did a really good job in that. Yep, yeah, showed his uh, experience in the playoffs for sure. And, uh, thank goodness again, thank goodness the the wild couldn't kill a penalty, uh, and couldn't find a little bit of discipline. Cause they, they would have been a wagon to try to upend. Could you imagine like if they could just run amok for the series? Yeah. What if the refs would have, I mean, cause you can, if you technically want to argue with the Minnesota fans, some of those penalties weren't really penalties. They were just the refs going like, you can't do that. All right, you just settle down, go over to the penalty box. And had the refs not done that, had they let some of that stuff go, it really could have unraveled for Dallas. Yeah, like I've always said, though, you always have the option to kill the penalty off as well. That's a good point. They're pretty good not. at that. Yeah. Uh, so the Kraken. Hmm. The le- I think their, their slogan, I love all the slogans, right? The playoff slogans. Theirs was The Legend Awakens. It should have been The Fairy Tale Ended. Look at you smirking. <laughs> it's like you went out there and just tore the heart right out of the giant cracked beast and showed it to him. Yeah. I mean, I think I told you during the series how you kill those things. What yeah. was it? You could take their brains and, and ride them inside out. That's one way of killing them. And it's all kinds of different ways. But look, that in the end, the Stars were a better team than the second-year Seattle Kraken, who 
when you watch the end of that, it was the most friendliest of second round series you're ever going to find. You know what I mean? Like it was just, there was zero animosity and, and uh, everyone was just playing along and, and it took seven games and, and a little bit of scare the Dickens idea that they might do the same thing they did to the avalanche in the first round, but in the end, no. And the stars really did lock down the, the Kraken and, and beat them in two of the last three games to win that series. But it was, it was the friendliest of, of playoff series, that one. And then the Knights and their slogan, it hurts to win. I actually really like that one. I think that's yeah. a good, I think that's a good one. But if they had blown the three, nothing lead, they might have had to change it to it's bamboo shoots hammered under fingernails and steel needles driven into eyeballs to lose like that. Forget about it hurts to win. That would have been painful. They don't like losing there. When they lose in Las Vegas, there are changes coming. Oh my God. And that's their history is nah, we're not now. You didn't do good enough. I also hold, hold yourself for this one. Mike, I'm not even proud of it, but I'm going to say it. Okay. I I guess Aiden was the hill they died on. I know. I'm not proud. I said I'm not proud of it. We put that on the website? Uh, So, you know what? So that was their fourth conference final appearance in six years, and this will be their second Stanley Cup appearance in six years for that franchise. I've told you this one before, but I'll, I'll share it again. The, the cap era belief that every team should make a conference final in a 15 year span. Ever since the cap came in in 2005, there's this belief that within a 15 year span, you should find your way to, to a, at least a conference final, at least the final four. And if you go through the 32 teams, and look, Seattle almost stroked themselves off that list immediately. So if you go through all 32 teams, there are only five clubs that are overdue. Everybody else matches up to that. Yeah. And they are the Buffalo Sabres, who seem to be on the cusp. I don't know how quickly it's going to happen for them, but man, that looks like it's going to be a very good team out there in in New York. The Calgary Flames. I don't know. Is that window closed or what's going on? The Columbus Blue Jackets, who came in in 01 and have never made it to a conference final. Isn't that bizarre? And the Minnesota Wild are on that list now. The last time they were in was 03. I just spoke of that. And then the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, who got a new general manager again. 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 That's, those are the five teams that don't fit into that category. And yeah. the Stars, uh, obviously, they changed the dynamic in 2020 in the bubble and yep. then did it again here. So you need – health and you need luck and you need depth and obviously you need talent. Uh, it's like a great big soup, like a bouillabaisse in order to get yourself there. And the stars got there again this year. 
It's interesting when you look at the salary cap. I didn't look before this podcast, which I should have, but I think it's between 22 and 26 teams are at the cap. Like, that's shocking. That many, I remember back in the day, Dallas and Detroit and Colorado spent 80 million, everybody else spent 25. These teams are all spending the same amount of money right now. Yeah. And then, you know, you got your whatever, Nashville, not Nashville, uh, Phoenixes and, and teams like that who are on the outside. Ottawa, I think, doesn't spend a ton. Uh, They're going to, though. Yeah, they will. They but the general majority of this in. league spends to the cap. Yeah. Well, I think you pretty much have to in order to, you know, because there's information out there. And how are you going to sell that to your fan base? Yeah, we're try we want to win, but we think we're smarter than everyone else. So we're going to do it on the cheap. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't seem to work that way. You want to at well, least be the, in the, the realm. Leave yourself a little room, but. I think the franchise value too helps the owner say, all right, I'm, you know, I'm spilling a little milk here, but I'm going to get it back. Yeah. Spilling some milk, but I'm getting the cream. Is that what you're saying, there you Mike? Go. I think that's exactly right. So that's you, also, we're going to put that up on the website too. <laughs> you dove in very quickly on the season as a whole, uh, but want to revisit that. The, the DeBoer bump was experienced, and that is real, right? Yes, it's definitely real. There is history there. Uh, and, and really, he did do uh, exactly what he was hired to do and what you would expect that coach to do. I think you wrote about it, the, the balance that was brought in. It was my, it just as an observer and, and a broadcaster, I, I was like, man, just please get back to where you're good at a lot of things, not just really good in one direction and really poor in the other direction, like balance. You know, be good offensively, be good defensively, be good on the power play, be good on the penalty kill, be a good team. Yeah, and that's team, exactly team. what they were uh, this year. Uh, you know, that I, I remember last year at the end of it, we were looking back and, you know, we knew changes were going to come. Unfortunately, man, when they go down, they go down in flames, no pun intended from last year, but they got outshot 64-28 in the final game last year. And then they got pasted 6 nothing on home ice in the final game this year. And it just, for the moment, it just skews all the great that went on, you know? Uh, but you knew changes were going were gonna to come and, and the desire to get better, get off the back foot. That was one of the biggest things, right? You know, be, be better at, at, uh, at just getting on the giddy-up and not spending so much time defending and in the defensive zone and relying on your goaltender and blocking shots and all those things. So, uh, they, they certainly did that. Uh, they, they were, uh, they were an exciting team to watch because of the style. Uh, and, and the, you can't argue with what they put forth and individually, my God, what a, what a season for Jason Robertson. Uh, I still can't get over the fact that he finished the season with 31 more points than any teammate. And a really good scoring team. Like any other teammate. He was 31 points ahead at the end of it. Uh, incredible. And the season that Miro had, uh, and really, uh, they, they just flat wore him out. Uh, he, he looked exhausted at the end of things, and you would understand why he carried such a load. Uh, he was such a phenomenal two-way defenseman broke records that had been records for decades 
this season. Uh, you know, Jamie coming back and showing that it wasn't washed this regular season. A couple bizarre endings in the playoffs, the suspension this year. Even last year against Calgary, remember he, remember he was getting fined and stuff in that series against the Flames? Uh, you know, and uh, and then the agelessness of of Joe Pavelski and and what he put up again this year, and along with the kid, and that's you know probably the the best internal story this season. Why Johnston living with Joe Pavelski's family, and why it has the season he has, and perfect way to bring a kid into your organization. So there there was a lot. I mean, Otter playing a gazillion games and and playing at such a high level. So yeah. So much, so much good. One of the funny things, so Ted Lasso, uh, this season, they've uh, become a very uh, creative offensive team and it's making everybody happy. And so I was asking Jamie and Joe, hey, is this a fun way to play hockey? <laughs> like, what a dumb question, right? <laughs> yeah, you're But it's important. That. It's important for them to have fun. It's important for the fans, important for me and you to have fun watching this stuff. Uh, and I, I don't know why more teams don't embrace it. I know you have to be good defensively to win, but, but what they did this year was they were the third best goals against team in the league and they still had a very creative, fun offense. And, yeah. you know, I think that's, that's, like you said, it's a hard balance to reach, but boy, when you do it, 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 there's some positivity in the players saying, okay, I want to be even better. I want to get those points now. Yeah. Well, it's a trend in the league in general. Uh, yeah. You know, Barry Trotz is taking over in Nashville as the general manager. And the first thing out of his mouth is, you know, we, we need to change the way that we've played the DNA here. Like, and I'm sure they're looking at the same thing. I'm sure the stars are an example for a lot of clubs that are, are trying to maybe either uptick or, change some of the way that they they play or go about their business that they're like that's we'd like to be like that so that's a good place for uh the boys to be here in big d and the, i mean there there are issues along with it like they got to fix and pete DeBoer was mentioning it i think in the exits like they got to fix overtime it's weird isn't it unbelievable though like a year ago Overtime was their bailiwick, and the reason they made the playoffs, and they almost upset the Calgary Flames in overtime uh, in Game 7. And then you flip to this year, and so many other things were improved, and they couldn't almost could not be worse past 60 minutes than what they were this year. And it cost them a little bit come playoff time. I, I know they – well, they won their last one, so they can hang their hat on that, right? Lost uh, a few in a couple minutes. Too. Yeah, they some. I it's a, a weird thing, but obviously the that would have helped. I mean, they look they they would have won the division. I don't know what that would have done for them, but they would have won that uh, had they been able to win a few more overtime games. They lost so many of them at home. It felt like too, yeah. which stung. And I know you and I talked about throughout the year. Uh, the other thing that that Pete talked about was was trying to get a little more depth scoring. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, you need three lines that can score and there's, you need a fourth line that can lean on the opposition and cycle and piss people off and chunk some goals in and be consistent. Like that heaviness on, on that He's depth. Doing that in the game six. 
Well, yeah, that one. I mean, it feels like at the end of a lot of seasons, you look at the other team's uh, depth, and and it's a it's a difference maker for teams yeah. that that go on and and teams that have have knocked the stars out. So uh, improvements, uh, you know, they in my superficial master caster opinion, the the defense probably needs uh, some kind of of upgrade. Or yeah, you know, it was so difficult because you know that the the defense is so important, and a lot of what DeBoer's system is is predicated on how quickly those guys can get the puck going up ice. And most coaches and most teams nowadays want lefty righty, lefty righty, because it helps that it, you know you have a left shot guy on the left side, you have a right shot guy on the right side. Makes sense. They ended up having to play guys that, you know, Miro played in the playoffs on the right side. Miro could play with one arm and half a leg or whatever. But it it does it does uh, handicap him a little bit. It handicaps everybody when, you know, they're adjusting all the time to, to that side of the ice. So, uh, you know, that was, that was one area where you looked at it and you're like – and now that said – the defense, I mean, I respect how they banded together. How do you argue when you finish, you know, top five in, in goals against as a group and, and that? And offense is the best defense. And, man, when they were on, they, they got things going north in a hurry. But it just feels like they, they could use help there. I think they have some potential help in Thomas Harley and in Nils Lundquist. I think those two both need to kind of go the path that Wyatt Johnston did. And the coaches just have to trust them, play them in key situations and let them grow next season. Um, but I, I'm with you. If they could find a right-handed partner for Miro Haskinen, that would change so much in that group of defensemen. Yeah, I mean, if you look at if you look at them, the for whatever reason, Essa had a bit of a difficult playoff on the left side. Harley looks like he's one of those guys. So you, you look at uh, Haskinen and Harley lefties. Right. Um, and then you, you, you know, you start diving in over on the right and you got great individuals for depth, but uh, you know, the, the upper end of it is where you're probably concerned in that area. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether concern is the right word, but you're looking for something, you know, Hawk and I think I love Yanni Hawk and Paul. I think he gives you, so much and he played hurt in the playoffs you know that uh and you know Lundquist just didn't play he's a righty you're right uh you that's know the one, that's the one swing I can see is that well him and Stankoven like if they can trust them to play in key roles next year then you have 60 or 70 games to to turn them into real players yeah uh they got other uh obviously they have other ones coming too but you, right. you know it might be a little while Kairou is a righty uh, second round draft pick, but uh, he'll be a defensive prospect or project for a little bit, I would think. Yeah, uh, coming out of junior in that. Uh, but yeah, I mean Haskinen and Harley—that's that's pretty sweet. On the, I was so impressed with Thomas Harley in the playoffs, and and not just in the playoffs, but how they uh, groomed him in the minors and stayed patient, and he stepped in, and I think he played fantastic. Uh, so. 
you know, they're, they're going to have to figure out as everyone gets a year older in that too, you, you know, how much, how, how many more years can you play and ride somebody like Ryan's uh, suitor who's pushing 40? Uh, I think you made the, the mention you've had two coaching staffs who both played them basically 22 plus minutes and for a reason, right? Like they're, they're not, they're, <laughs> they're not doing it. Uh, just cause out of, out of, uh, uh, you know, throwing names in a hat or, or whatever, like there's a reason for that. And, uh, he gave him he gave him tons of, of terrific minutes. Uh, but you just wonder whether that, that needs to get, uh, trimmed a little bit, if you can find a way to trim it a little bit and a, a little bit like how things went up front this year, where, a lot of guys played less minutes and, yeah. and and less meant more. And maybe there's a little bit of that coming on, on defense with him. Yeah. Jamie was the best example of that. And, oh, and he yeah. embraced it too. That's part of the whole key of this is, is that Ryan would have to embrace it. Uh, so if, if they can do that, if they can convince him and put him in a situation with a nice right-handed partner, and, and maybe that is Lundquist and, you know, let him play his game, but play it fewer minutes a game. Uh, that'd be, that'd be huge. Look at us. Right? We, got no, all, we got it all figured out. All the answers. It's so easy. <laughs> just sit here on a computer and just come up with all the answers. <laughs> uh, proximity, Mike. Tony Robbins. Are you a big Tony Robbins fan? I know who he is, but I haven't really watched a whole lot uh, of his seminars. You know what? There's a lot of our listeners out there that probably have. Uh, but Tony Robbins says proximity is power. Change your life by consciously choosing who you surround yourself with. Not really what I'm talking about here, but stars so close to capturing the division this year and so close to winning the West. And think about this. If the, those Golden Knights go on to win it all, the Stars will have bowed out to the eventual Stanley Cup champion in 2019, in 2020, and in 2023. Proximity. Right there, rubbing shoulders with the teams that are prancing around with the chalice at the end of the season. You're right there. Proximity is power, Mike. You want to be the prancer. And now you're watching the prancer and learning from him. Yes. Exactly what's going on. See? The we do have all the answers. Power within. Uh, here's a random non sequitur from me about me. <laughs> you realize this, Heike? There are two head coaches from my very first year of NHL color commentary that are still head coaches in the league. Okay. One and is, you're still a broadcaster. One is Bones, Rick okay. Bonus. He didn't last very long that year. No, there's a in big Ottawa. gap in there. <laughs> yes. He was fired quickly. And do you know who the other one is? Uh, Paul Maurice. Yes. Who took over for Paul Holmgren. With the Hatford Whalers. He was 28 
Wow. When he took over there. And he is no longer 28. And no. he's four wins away from winning his first ever Stanley Cup. Uh, and that's it. That is it. Those two gentlemen. He probably uh, says proximity to you. No, I don't think my name ever comes up, at least not in a positive light. Uh, Anything else you got going with? uh, You want to get off your chest before we go on? I believe they call it hiatus. I do have one trivia question. You always ask me trivia questions. I was just struck by this when I was going through the numbers. Uh, How many more wins? Excuse me. Did the stars have this year than last year? You're like, you sound like John Dutton from Yellowstone this week. Uh, The unnecessary growl. Rip, get down, saddle some horses. What was the question Uh, again? uh, How many more wins did the stars have this year than last year? Uh, A few. One. Can you believe that? They had six overtime oh, losses because last of the year. OT. They had nine, yeah. 19 yeah. overtime or shootout losses this year. Yeah. And so that's what accounted for all the point differential. Now, all the other stats, were, I was just going through it and going like, and they had X more wins. And I'm like, oh, one, one more win than they had last year. But it is what it is. But it, I will say this, it's not good for the fans uh, when they have uh, all those uh, overtime losses because it feels like a loss when you walk out of the building. Okay, well, that's thanks. A, that's for, my. That's my. Uh, thanks for that, Mike. It's a real, real solid I mean, you, bummer you know to what? end on. Scoring goals is fun. Uh, it you, is. Like I talked it to is. a couple of players, and they said, "Yes, scoring goals is fun." Now you're so, repeating yourself. So let's. I'm bringing move on. the news. I'm bringing the the insight. Uh, not really, uh, but I would like to mention some people before we go away. A big thanks to Jordan Foreman who sort of slap this together for us all the time so that we could be slapstick funny on the Podman rush. Uh, I would like to thank my broadcast brethren, especially corporate Johnny Sponsler, everybody that worked on the show, Josh Clark, who was like Greg on succession for our group, the many audio video personnel that are an integral part of what we put out there. You and I both should probably thank Stars PR for all of their uh, concierge. Had to learn on the fly with the departure of the great Tom Holy, uh, and certainly appreciated. And Ben Yeah, uh, and Bolt. Yeah, both. When, of them. Yes, appreciated their efforts this year. Uh, thanks to Stretch, uh, Jason Raidman, Stars Team Services man, who let us latch on like lampreys all year. Uh, us in digital and what do you, what do you count yourself in? I'm on the presenter side. You're, are you digital? Uh, no, I guess I am. I'm, yeah. I'm uh, the writer. Nobody reads. So I, I'm like the uh, guy who uh, just, you know, is taking his ink pen out and writing on a big roll that people are going to stick in into a uh, basement and they'll discover it a hundred years from now. Oh my God. Uh, See, so I'm pretty impactful. Yeah, we're really going to miss you for the next few months. (laughs) Uh, In closing shop for the summer, I would like to say how happy I am for Brad Alberts and the work he's put in on the business side. I got a run from the hockey side that wasn't all in northern Alberta, Canada. 
this that time, was nice. right? Yeah. Uh, so that 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 felt great. Uh, it it looked terrific. Uh, and owner Tom Gallardi, who had his stars team get all the way to the final four teams standing in the NHL, and his part ownership junior team, the Camas Blazers, get all the way to the final four and host the Memorial Cup in the CHL. That's it's a pretty good uh, pretty good year for Tom Gallardi and uh, all things hockey in his world. So happy for those two gentlemen. Uh, yes, a lot of people can soothe the sting of the loss and finality by basking in well-earned apricity for the next few months, Mike. Uh, it was a good year and hopefully equal and better ones to come. Uh, look, we we owe everything to those that listen to this stuff all year long, do we not? Yes. And you. I, I mean, I, you don't ever want to take any credit, but you put a lot of I do not. I want to say thank you to the fans uh, and and those that took time to listen. And on, yeah, that's, on the, that's important. On the various platforms that we are on now, Mike. Do you realize that we're on platforms, plural? Uh, no. Oh, it's exciting. Uh, it really is. And uh, I appreciate any time we get any kind of feedback on this thing. We don't know anything. We really don't. We just we just spew it out there, and that's the other thing too, Mike. The, with a deep run in the playoffs like this, where it's not in the middle of a pandy, you get all the the peripheral people diving in. You know, you get the slapshot brothers on the ticket. You get live shots from Vegas from the you know the talking heads. You get people traveling in and out like it it. It's a good little circus that goes on, and, and I think it has, I think it has roots and, and tentacles that go out from this and help you build. So th- this was a, a just an absolutely wonderful 2022-23 season all around from beginning to end. I would concur one hundred percent. I watched the uh, game six again this morning, and just the uh, the hype, the pregame hype, it was pretty cool. And I know it didn't turn out the way we wanted, but to get that group to that point and to see the players, the fans, like you say, all the broadcast people talking about the Dallas Stars, it was fun. Yep. And uh, it'll resonate, echo a little bit, and hopefully it's a, it's it's just another little stepping stone to Ward adding another banner and another parade in downtown Dallas. So for the tool of the people, Mike Heika. I am the uh, true razor boy, Daryl Ray. Tom, time to quit screwing around and get to work out there. The rest of you, thank you from the bottom of our podcast hearts. Have a great summer, everybody. You too, Mike. You've been listening to the Podman Rush with Daryl Razor Ray, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer, an official production of the Dallas Stars. To stay up to date on all things stars, visit DallasStars.com or download the official Dallas Stars app today. Am I supposed to say anything? Oh, my God. There it is. (laughs) There it is. It is over. Want to stay up to date on what's happening with your favorite team? Now you can by signing up to become a Dallas Stars insider. The bed and a shot stop, Sagan rebound, score! 
Get the scoop on the latest team news, exclusive ticket pre-sales, contests, and much more. Delivered right to your inbox. Ran himself right into oh, it. Oh, scored! How in the world? Subscribe today and start getting yours at DallasStars.com slash insider.